that threw me off because before you said it, you were like, okay, I'll go three, two, one. And then you got uh, it. One, <laughs> two, three. I'm panicked, man, because this is a whole new world for us. This is a whole new world. I just, yeah, and I just hope having all these different things running on our computers isn't going to mess it all up. We're probably going to fry some motherboards or something. Wait, we're going to do what? Can you say that on a PG podcast? <laughs> motherboards. Excuse think, me, sir. I think at one hour we just went explicit. <laughs> Ex- yeah. How, how, what do you have to do to get an explicit? Do we really have to drop an F-bomb or something to get that tagged on there? And is there, is there a word? Or can do we you request have to drop it? multiple F-bombs? Or it's probably just self-label. Did we limit? self-label clean? Did we do that? I don't know. I don't think it says clean, but that would be cool too. Can we get those tags? Well, I'm sure there's not there's not one guy listening to every podcast like, you know, with a little, like an umpire's <laughs> clicker, you know? Like, oh, that's too many <laughs> words. So maybe the season finale, we can cuss enough oh to my be gosh. explicit. It's going to be like that movie, The Departed, just one after oh, another man. after another. Pat's going to edit. So we need to get... <laughs> We, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Pat's gonna do fun with r- real audio and just drop <laughs> yeah, beeps all over this thing. Editing. <laughs> beep, beep. Rusty. Blue over there. Sorry. Work blue. All right. So well, just in case y'all can't tell, we're doing this a little bit different today, FaceTiming. So hope Rusty, this works. We're, we're both at home, at our own homes. Rusty's in Coons. I'm in Kirbyville. Yeah. We're FaceTiming it because we didn't get a chance to get together and record. So this is the first, maybe not the last, probably not the last time we're going to do it this way. But it is the first time. I thought you meant probably not the last podcast. Well, I would hope not. (laughs) Not the first. I mean, maybe not the last, but I don't know. Hey, shout out to our newest listener, Reed Hawthorne, reaching out to us on Twitter. (laughs) Reed, my man. Reed, we see you, buddy. We see you, sir. Welcome to the party. Hey. Now that you're here, let's start this thing. Well, hey, everybody. One hour a week. I'm Jared Hollier. He's Rusty Mott. What's up? Season two, episode three. Glad you're along for the ride. We are FaceTiming it tonight. We're, uh, or today, or... It's always weird to using timestamps when we record because then people listen back and they're like, "Wait a minute, Are have you the heard past? the last two or three, the last two or three times I've been like, good day because <laughs> I start to say good morning or good afternoon and then just I'm like, oh, all never the mind, just whatever. You know, yeah. if you're driving or sleeping or drinking coffee or <laughs> you know, happy hour, whatever, whatever you're doing, we're glad you're listening or reading if you have uh, some sort of transcription service. Anyway, one hour a week, 30-minute ministry podcast. Uh, thankful that you all are along for the ride. For sure. <laughs> it is tough not being in the same room. Our chemistry's better. We're going to have to work some kinks out. Oh, man. Um, hey, today we're talking about the Bible. We talk about it on every episode to some extent, but today we are focusing on the Bible. We're going to be talking about our our favorite Bible verses, Bible passages, um, and I want to start with a, an Andy Stanley quote. Is there any more setup that needs to be done, or can we go ahead and jump into the Andy Stanley thing? Wow. Just, uh, we could talk about the Bible being the Word of God or something, but let's just go to Andy Stanley. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> well, do you want to set, should we have an inerrancy discussion 
Infallible. We are we're gonna we're gonna split the SBC with this podcast. <laughs> Go ahead and plant your flag in a uh, in a convention. We need to know where you I'm are. Straight listeners. CBF, straight CBF at this point, Which man. Is Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Cornerstone. Which I, that's what you're. Which I'm not really. I'm not really CBF, but I'm okay. I've aren't got your friends who are CBF. Small groups so called CBS. They are, and that provides a lot of confusion. In fact, a lot of the, our listeners aren't going to get that. But a lot of my preacher friends, when I say, "Yeah, join a CBF," they're like, oh, "Wait, wait, wait what? a minute, hold on." Yeah, I don't understand. So, um, good times. No, we're not going to have good that times with preacher talk. Maybe we'll have the inerrancy discussion. Uh, never. We won't. Are we going to do that? I don't want to do that. Hey, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm a big fan of inerrancy, but <laughs> it would be fun to get maybe somebody who isn't and yeah. have kind of a conversation and a debate in a healthy setting. You know, is this a healthy setting? No, this is this is pretty unhealthy or Wait. unhealthy. Uh-huh. Either way, you want to say it. But today, we're going to talk about the Bible. So let's do start with the Andy Stanley quote. I heard Andy Stanley uh, at a conference one time, and I just want to get your reaction to this statement. We'll hash it out a little bit. But he said, and it was in a room full of pastors and church leaders, so this was a safe place to throw out a statement like this. Um, And I don't want to take it all the way out of context, uh, which happens to people in his position a lot. But the statement he made was, all scripture is equally inspired but not all scripture is equally important. Um, And when he said that, what he was talking about was that we need to make sure as often as possible we're hitting the gospel and we're hitting the major themes of the Bible. And in our preaching series, we don't get so committed to preaching through books of the Bible that we spend a lot of unnecessary time, you know, walking through my example, not his, stuff like, you know, the Levitical laws. Um, So all scripture is equally inspired, not all scripture is equally important. What's your what's your first reaction to that? Boo! <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I I don't. I I I'm kind of like you said, and I'm not even going to edit that out. That was me going uh, 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 for like ten seconds. I don't want to pile on Andy Stanley. I think that's kind of a a hobby that some evangelicals have. I think there might be a podcast called Pile on Andy Stanley. Yeah, not just him, but uh, a lot available. of mega church pastors. It's just easy to do. Yes. Well, I mean, bigger target, bigger audience, bigger target. That's life. But, but at the same time, they make provocative statements sometimes to get a response. They do. And, and Andy Stanley fits that mold for sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, at least every six months, he says something that, that sets some people off. Yeah. I, I, would, I would disagree with the statement in this way. But let me also preface what I'm about to say by saying that I think if Andy was hanging out with us, he would be like, no, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know, you know, you're prefacing your without preface. talking to Andy. I'm prefacing my preface. Perhaps Andy could join us to talk about this next week. Standing Maybe. Tune invitation. Tune in to episode four. Standing invitation. Andy Standing. Stanley. That's right. Charles, you're welcome too. Dr. Charles Stanley. You're welcome, bro. Any of them. Chuck and Andy. Uh, <laughs> sounds like another great podcast. <laughs> so... Let me tell you why I don't like it, okay? okay? Let me quit dancing around it. Because the story of the Bible cannot be separate, separated from itself. That You can't take chunks of the Bible and separate it from the whole. That's why I would push back on it in the immediate part of it. Because if you start saying, well, this section isn't as important as this section, 
well, this section doesn't exist without that section. Right. So if you if you divide it into sections like that, then you are missing the bigger overarching point. So all scripture is absolutely important because that part that you do consider important is built upon that part that you don't think is important. And I think that's what the Pharisees were trying to do when they questioned Jesus and said, which, which law is the most important law? Um, I think that's what they were trying to do to him is they were trying to, to get him to make a ranking of, well, this is import, more important than this. And, and in doing so, I think they were trying to trick him and trap Jesus into diminishing parts of the scriptures. And so, yeah. you know, taken out again, it was it was said in a context of a room full of preachers and pastors. And so you can't separate that quote from the context and the discussion that it was having. But similar thing, taken out of context, I think that's what they were trying to do to Jesus was get him to say, well, these things aren't important. But just in our methodology, don't we kind of approach the Bible that way? I mean, we do approach our preaching and teaching schedules in a way that says these things are more important than these other things. Certainly. And think about it in different contexts. It's different. There are some churches who do nothing but the end times, mm-hmm. you know, like legitimately they, their bread and butter is the end times. John Hagee has a new book about the end of the world every two or three years and has made a pretty good living doing that. So maybe we should jump on that. Uh, <laughs> but then there's others. Uh, you think of the, the gospel centered movement, which we would certainly say we fall in line with that. But yeah. man, Paul's, Paul's letters, you know, rightfully so. Sometimes people will say, well, man, you get all of your gospel theology from Paul's letters, but you don't even think about Jesus and look at Jesus. And then some, sometimes those who kind of lean liberal would say, this is the Jesus gospel. Like we've almost made, you've heard that discussion, right. Paul's gospel and Jesus's gospel. Yeah. That was the same gospel. Quit trying to rank them and, and decide which one is more important. Yeah. It's both and, not Doesn't either Doesn't John or. MacArthur have a new book out called The Gospel According to Paul? I think so. so he's, uh, but know. I think his, he's kind of responding to N.T. Wright though too, which uh, if you haven't heard that bit, you need to go and just Google John MacArthur, N.T. Wright, because N.T. Wright did a book about the resurrection that bothered oh. John MacArthur. And John MacArthur called him there. out and <laughs> he literally said, in this case, N.T. Wright is N.T. wrong. <laughs> oh, and then he dropped the mic, <laughs> walked away from his It was his like pulpit. a John Mac- like have you seen the reformed thug life? Yeah. Like you could just see the glasses coming <laughs> uh-huh. across. Like it was it was pretty epic. But so, so yeah, I would push back on it in that way. But I also understand that, just like you said, Andy is saying that that's part of life, uh, that we do, if we're not careful, lend to different parts of it. And, but, but at the same time, is there a verse or is there a section that's more important in this season of our church's life than six months ago? Oh, yeah. Like if you're preaching, if you're preaching through the end times when the hurricane comes, do you drop your assign text for that Sunday and do something different. Yeah. You know, uh, I did it a few months ago or, or maybe six weeks ago now. Um, whenever the stuff in Charleston blew up over the weekend, you know, we kind of went to bed on a Saturday and woke up Sunday morning and there had been, uh, you know, riots overnight and people killed and all that stuff was blowing up. And I woke up that morning and wasn't scheduled to preach, but did that very, th- I called my pastor and said, Hey, I've got a, you know, I don't want to sound too charismatic or pushed too far, but you know, I've got a word that I want to share this morning. And we did just that. We dropped everything and and addressed that issue. Um, also want to say that you and I are both 
huge proponents, and I think most of our audience probably is, that's part of the reason it's important to preach through books of the Bible, um, or at least large chunks of the Bible, because it forces you to preach the whole counsel of Scripture and not pick and choose the parts you think are more important and ignore the parts you think are less important, but it forces you to wrestle with the whole counsel. So preaching through big chunks of Scripture or whole books of the Bible forces you to, you know, things that we might not out loud say, oh, this is less important, but just kind of in our approach might be tempted to treat some parts as less important. Uh, when you preach through whole books of the Bible or, or large chunks, it forces you to deal with with the whole Bible, not just the parts you like. Definitely. So now that we have set this up is that there's really not some sections that are more important than other sections. Let's play Let favorites. us tell you which passages <laughs> we think are most, most important to us. Uh, we do want to kind of just share some of our favorite passages, maybe particularly to, to preach and read and think about, but then also even maybe a couple of verses. So are we going to start off with passages, Jared? Yeah, let's start there. Let's do that. You want to go first? All right. I'll let you go first. Hey, man. You've got post-it notes in your Bible, bro, so I think you ought to go first. All right, we'll go Old Testament first. One of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, uh, and it's not because of a big theological point or a big promise of Scripture, but it's because it feels like the climax of a great movie. 2 Samuel 12, when Nathan the prophet comes and confronts David, about his affair with Bathsheba. So the backstory here, I'm sure everybody in our audience knows it. Uh, David's the king, uh, looks across the street, sees Bathsheba. Oh, you can really hear those pages turning. Um, this man's in the word, y'all. <laughs> uh, has the affair with Bathsheba, whose husband is out to war, Uriah. Uriah comes home. Uh, David tries to cover up his affair by getting Uriah drunk and sending him home. And Uriah's a respectable guy and says, no, if my, you know, my fellow citizens are still fighting and can't be with their wives, I won't be with my wife. So David sends the husband Uriah out to the front lines, gets him killed in battle, uh, and takes Bathsheba into his home. Chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, I love it because Nathan comes on and, and he sets it up so perfectly. And it's just that you got your moment. So he comes to David and he says, hey, King David, I want to tell you a story about this guy who was poor and all he had was a lamb. And David is like, oh, yeah, that's that's so. And he says, and there was this rich man who lived down the street and he had everything that he could want. And he had some visitors come and he took the man's lamb and he killed it and he fed it to his guests. And David says, we've got to get that man. And the climax of the story is when Nathan says, you are that man. That needs to be a Mel Gibson movie or something. Just you can feel, well, I, you know, because he makes the epic movies, the big. I don't know why. Yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't know you were such a Mel Gibson fan. There may be too that many James involved in the story for Mel Gibson to make it. <laughs> right. So, but that just that point when Nathan says, "You are that man." I mean, you can just feel the momentum shift in the room. I love. That story, and especially that verse, one of my favorite stories. Solid, solid. I am going to also go Old Testament, and I was so afraid that you were going to choose the same passage that I had selected. Can you imagine if we had but done to that? Me, like unknowingly? Yeah, could, it would be. be like, oh, we finished each other's sentences. 
Yeah, well, we don't. So, First uh, Kings 18, Elijah is, is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, the prophet Elijah, the whole chronicle through all of it where he's uh, called to go confront Ahab, a wicked king, and say, hey, man, it's not going to rain. There's not going to be any water. And then there's uh, the big showdown at Mount Carmel oh, yeah. where they call down fire from heaven. And again, kind of the uh, even all the, the smart aleck back and forth between, uh, you know, you've got the, the two sacrifices set up and they say whichever God produces fire from heaven is the real God. And the prophets of Baal are like cutting themselves, hollering and screaming, chanting, dancing around, trying to get something to happen and nothing's happening. And Elijah starts calling them out and says, hey, maybe yell a little louder. Maybe he doesn't hear you. Hey, maybe he stepped into the bathroom, <laughs> like literally says that. Maybe he went to relieve himself. And uh, then obviously just the dramatic way that, that God brings fire down. But always not only just the, the epicness of that story, but the conviction that comes that before the showdown even happens, there's this moment where Elijah says, to the people, how long will you guys go limping between two different opinions? If God is God, worship him. If he's not, then let's do that. If Baal is God, worship him. But you can't just keep going back and forth like this. And it said that the people didn't say a word. But yet there's the contrast that after God shows up and the fire comes down, that the people of Israel rise up and kill all the prophets of Baal. Mm -hmm. And um, a really cool thing happens. But Elijah's life is a lot like ours because right after the battle at Mount Carmel where he is literally, God used him to call fire down from heaven, he's running from his life and arguing with God saying, I can't believe you've left me like this high and dry and they're going to kill me. And uh, there's that epic moment where the Lord speaks to Elijah at the face of the cave. So uh, just that whole section, First Kings 18 to 19, one of my favorite passages to teach, preach, read, and be inspired by. You know what I've never noticed until just now as you were talking through that chapter 18, that in that same episode, uh, Mount Carmel, and then till the end of that chapter where he goes and talks to Ahab, in that, in those same, in that same passage, God sends both fire and rain. Uh, that, uh, just something as you were walking through that kind of struck me about God's ability to, to control kind of both ends of the spectrum. He sends fire to consume the sacrifice and then just a few minutes later sends rain to end the drought. So that was neat. Do you want me to go grab my guitar? <laughs> Play a little James Taylor? James Taylor. <laughs> Sorry, as soon as you said fire and rain, I left, I left Yahweh and started thinking about James Taylor. That's all. I do so, think it's messed up. interesting that, because we didn't discuss which passages we were going to pick, we just said let's, let's pick some of our favorite passages, and we both went narrative. Uh, I, I went narrative. I, I was wondering if you were going to go somewhere, you know, Romans or something. Um, oh, really? What? Don't don't try to peg me, bro. Romans nine? Is that no. where you? I figured you'd be going Romans nine. Straight Calvinist. That's not what don't, I meant. Don't, don't get your don't blackball me. Don't get okay? your tulips in a twist over there. Look. <laughs> I just. Do we have to edit that? No, that's Natalie, man. Uh, we're about to get that explicit. That's what I'm shooting for. Uh, I just no, but I just think it. I, I just think it proves that we like a good story. Um, yeah, that's why Jesus talked in parables so much, is because if Jesus had showed up and just started spouting theological truths, he would have lost people quicker than he's. You know, his method was. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like a guy who finds a treasure in a field, or the kingdom of heaven is like 
throwing out a fishing net. People just respond to stories. Um, they're they're fun to preach and listen to. For sure. So what about smaller pat? Let's. Are you, you got another passage? Or you want to go verses? Man, I've got a couple verses uh, that are now. Uh, you're going to make fun of me, but they're in Romans. Uh-huh. So <laughs> do I know you, or do uh, I know you? Making me so mad. Uh, I'll. I will share one passage in transition here okay. as we go towards verses. Another passage that has just been. You know how people jokingly call it, uh, there's an old man in my church calls it, you know, the sugar stick sermon that you always go back to. Yeah. You're always ready to preach. Yep. John John 15 is one of those for me, preaching about what it means to abide in Christ, to stay constantly connected to him. Mm-hmm. That If we're not connected to him, we're not going to have life. We're not going to. So John 15, that, that passage has always been very important to me. Uh, but then when it comes to individual verses, this verse is on the inside of my college ring and on the uh, literally just words that I want to define my life, Romans 12, verse one, probably one of the first verses that impacted me, that I would say impacted me in my ministry when I was in college uh, learning about the Bible. Romans 12, one, if you don't have a Bible with you, says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And obviously Paul is transitioning from talking about the nuts and the bolts of the gospel to what the gospel looks like in our lives. And he says here that, you know, basically in light of everything that God has done for us, what we need to do is surrender everything we are, become literally a living sacrifice. And if you have little superscripts or subscripts, it's a superscript is what it is in your Bible, where it says spiritual worship. I know the NIV if it has a little thing that if you look down at the bottom of it, it's going to say your reasonable act of worship. It's because the Greek word there is lagine, which obviously we get the word logic from and reason. So literally Paul is saying, in light of everything Jesus has done for us, the only thing that's logical, the only reasonable response we have is to literally lay down our lives and be a living sacrifice for him. Tough to do because as D.L. Moody says, the problem with living sacrifices is that they're always crawling off the altar. Mm. And that's, that's me, man. Yeah. That's me. But, but when I read that passage, it just, it gripped me and I've tried the rest of my life to be that living sacrifice. Um, and again, it's a process, but that's, that's what I'm shooting for. I like that you pointed out it's one of the ones that you, you got personally. I remember in college, um, had a psychology class, and this is a crass example, but I've I've used it a hundred thousand times. But he talked about that one of the one of the things about going to college is not just learning stuff, but learning stuff for yourself. He he, and he shared how when he was in college, uh, he worked for a porta potty company, and so part of his job is they would bring these porta potties back and they would empty them and then flip them over and rinse them out. And he said. Every time they rinsed one out, they would find medicine pills that people had taken, but the medicine just passed right through their system and came out. And, and so he says that happens all the time. You'll take a pill and it doesn't get digested. It just passes right through. Um, and so his point was that part of the reason you should go and have new experiences and get out of your hometown and go do things is that you're not just being handed the things you know and learn and appreciate, but you're, you're taking them in for yourself. And so I'm glad you pointed that out, that 
this isn't, oh, you know, a lot of people might say, my favorite verse is one my granddaddy taught me when I was a kid. But that yours is one that you said it gripped you personally kind of for the first time. Yeah, definitely. That's it. I just want an excuse to talk about porta potties. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good story, man. That's good to use. It is a good story. So, I wish I remember that guy's name. <laughs> I don't. So what about you? One of my what about you? Give us a like, favorite hey. verse. Um, 1 John 3.18. And I don't want to separate verse 18 from 3.16 and 17. Uh, so I'll read all three. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And then verse 18 is the one that's one of my favorites. He says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Um, that was that verse was my theme verse my entire seven years at Peachtree. That was on everything that we printed and put out, um, bulletins and coffee mugs and T-shirts that we ordered for different events that we did. I just think we live in a culture where it's so easy to be a nominal Christian, um, especially in Southeast Texas, uh, the buckle of the Bible belt. It's just so easy to say, you know, I love Jesus. I go to church every Sunday. You share the Bible verses on Facebook. You you do all the Christian looking things. But it says here, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. We've just got to put hands and feet to the gospel of Jesus. It's like the old saying, people don't care what you know until they know what you care. And so I just feel like because verse 16 says, we know what love is because Jesus laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then verse 18, he says, put the gospel into action. It's not, and this is hard for me to, to do because I'm a preacher, but we can't just preach. We have to do things to win the affection of people so that they will listen to our preaching. If all we ever do is talk about Jesus and talk at people about Jesus, um, it makes our mission a lot harder than when we're out there serving them with hands and feet. And so I just love that he said, that he says with action and truth, we got to put hands and feet in ministry to the preaching of the gospel also. Yeah, that's really, really good stuff. So as we kind of get towards wrapping this thing up, I, I want to see if maybe we could both share a verse, not only that's meant something to us throughout our lives, but maybe something that God has been using in your life lately uh, or in this season of your life that God's kind of using in a profound way. So um, if you want to do that first and then I'll share mine, or would you rather me go first? All right. I'll let you go first. Uh, well, mine is, believe it or not, from Romans 12. And I'm not going to do the same. It's no. not the same verse. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say, and the same verse that gripped me in college is gripping me today, uh, which it is. <laughs> uh, it still will mess me up, but... It's a verse that kind of God has used as kind of my life verse during the hurricane and during this season. I didn't know what to preach that Sunday. What do you say to people who've just lost everything? You know, how do you talk? Well, I say everything, but a lot of their possessions and uh, their homes and things like that. What do you say? How do you move forward? And uh, I called this the, the Harvey Survival Kit one verse, Romans twelve twelve, and it's just three simple statements. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. I just said, man, if we can do those three things, we're going to be all right. 
So it's just been something that, yeah. that has been playing in my head over and over. And shout out to one of my best friends, Seth from Garland. We were at a men's fishing trip, like, I don't even know how many years ago now. And all the men in the cabin shared their favorite verse, and that was his. And I was like, that's in the Bible? That neat and that compact? And ever since, it's kind of been there, but it yeah. hasn't really resonated with me until the storm. I'm like, what am I going to preach? Paul must have been yeah. a Baptist because that's I'm telling you, three man, neat points. Uh, that whole little section is pretty sweet from verses 9 to 13. But verse 12, yeah. man, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So that's been something that God's been using in my life lately. For uh, a couple of years now, um, and I wasn't sure if, if and when this was going to come up, so it's coming up now. Um, for a couple of years now, I've really struggled with uh, a lot of depression and anxiety, and it kind of all came to a head uh, earlier this year. And so for a long time when we would have these discussions with, with friends, you know, what's your favorite verse? You know, it comes up, you go to enough camps and youth events and these conversations happen. Uh, I would say 1 Timothy 1.15 uh, pretty regularly, where Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And because of where I was emotionally and spiritually and mentally for a long time, the part of that verse that I camped out on was of whom I am the worst. I just, um, w when you're in that funk of depression and anxiety, um, you can't see past your own badness, past your own wickedness, right? So I, I would look at the world through the lens of my own sin. Um, and so I kind of claimed that verse, but not in the right way, because it was, it served as a reminder um, that I'm the worst. You know, it, looking back on it now, it, it kind of reminds me of when Satan was tempting Jesus and he used scripture to tempt Jesus, but he used it in yeah. an improper way, right? Well, the, the Bible says this. Um, and so I claimed that verse for the last phrase. Here's a trustworthy saying, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Um, but this summer, I, you know, through honestly kind of a, a, a hit a breaking point and a lot of things came to a head and um, even, even saw a counselor for a little while and um, uh, had a lot of good conversations with, with you, with my wife, with my pastor, just with, with several good friends. I'm keeping that verse, but I'm highlighting a different part of it. Uh, and I'm highlighting the first half of it instead. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Um, and am I the worst? Probably not, but it doesn't matter because I'm a sinner. The trustworthy part is that Jesus came to save us. No matter how bad we are, Jesus came to save us. And so I'm claiming the first half of that a lot more than the second half of it lately. And so that's that's been kicking me in the teeth in a good way. For a couple of months now. That's solid, man. That's solid. Well, hey, the Bible is a, a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given us. Uh, one of my other favorite verses, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Theonustos, inspired. Inspired. There it is. Theos, God, pneuma, breath. They literally like made up a word. The word inspired means breath of God. All scripture is breathed out by God. If you need the word of God to breathe into your life, and Jared can see me because we're on FaceTime, but I still talk with my hands as much when I'm in a room by myself. <laughs> but if you need the breath of God to breathe into your life, man, open up your Bible. Um, and I'm kind of excited because this is the first episode this season 
that is going to have an opportunity for us to kind of open up a dialogue. So we want to hear what your favorite verses are. We will have a post on the Facebook page. We've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but we're going to do a new one today uh, as you're listening to this on Monday that will say, share your favorite verse and why in the comments. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's encourage each other with the word of God in this season. Yeah, and if you want to share those things on Twitter, you'll have twice as much room because have you seen that Twitter's expanding from 140 oh, characters man. to 280? You can share so much, Jesus. Yeah, so a lot of people are just are using it for weird reasons. Just put, you know, like I saw one account that was using 280 characters at a time posting the entire script of the B movie, Jerry Seinfeld's <laughs> B movies. <laughs> what are we doing with wow. our life, Internet? That's good stuff. Instead, don't do, don't do that. Just tweet us. Do you listeners. can tweet me at Bro Rusty Mott. I'm at Jared Hollier. Hey, is this Pato? I don't know. Is it? It is. Tweet Pat Overstreet, our audio engineer. The longer we've recorded, the more <laughs> lag time we've. It is true. Between, so we're we're counting on Pato to uh, uh, to fix all he's this. He's going to do a great editing. job, and he's going to love us for it. At is this Pato? And our podcast is at Our A Week Pod. Check us out online, Our A Leak. Our A Leak. Our A Leak. <laughs> our A Leak. Our A Leak. Our, you need to see a doctor. Our A Week Podcast.com. Check out our website. Lots of good stuff there. Like us on Facebook. You know where to find us. Hey, thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. One more thing. If you have not left us a review on the favorite podcatcher of your choice, whether that's iTunes or something else. Leave us a review that really helps in the algorithms as people search for podcasts, and we want as many people as can to find us and join the conversation. So leave us a review, share our podcast with your friends, and it's going to be awesome. Hey, it was a fun discussion. Rusty, I appreciate you, man. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening, too. Uh, like we already said earlier, be sure to share some of your favorites on our social media stuff. And we look forward to having y'all join the conversation. Drop the mic.